Welcome to Hot Plate, a post-foodie podcast. I'm your host, Mirella Amato. Today on Hot Plate, we discuss good milk, adult spaces, kitchen hacks, and people who are making meringues from beer waste. Hello, Joshna. Hello. It's season two. Season two. So nice to be back. Thanks for listening, everybody. Oh, so I wanted to talk about an article in The Guardian that I sent you and I knew you would love or I thought you would love. Uh, Definitely. I love it. And it's about an initiative in France called Who is the Boss? Yeah. C'est qui le patron? Uh, I was hoping you were going to say it en français. Oh, c'est qui le patron? (laughs) And what they did, this gentleman did some investigating on milk prices, found that they had been, you know, artificially driven down by the grocery stores who were always trying to get the most competitive price, the most competitive price. And through his investigation, he found that for the price to allow producers to live comfortably. Right. To make a living wage. Not to be on the brink of, uh, you know, shutting down. Poverty. Right. All that was needed was an extra eight cents per liter which for the average family translates to about $7 a year. Come on. And so in 2006, he created this brand. It's called Sequila uh, Patron. And it explains that this is a brand that allows the producers to make a fair wage. Mm-hmm. He started this in 2016, and it's now the fourth biggest milk brand in France. Right. With no marketing, no advertising, yeah. and no sales team. Yeah. Just um, the idea of doing good. And I love that it's selling so well. His brand has won over nearly 11.5 million French consumers, which is one in five adults, and has allowed, uh, has boosted the income of more than 3,000 farmers and manufacturers in France. I was so encouraged by this. Yeah. Uh, Right? Because... I really do believe on all fronts of our food system that there is a bit of a moment of reckoning for retail food business. Yes. Right? I really think that the um that we are the the opacity mm-hmm. of the way this business has been run is no longer becoming a viable option, right? And it has unfortunately created huge amounts of ignorance on on uh, as consumers. It haunts right? me all the time. I have no idea how much any given piece of food, like what a reasonable right. price is. You know, yep. like I'll see uh, an apple over here at this price and an apple over here at this price. This one might be organic. This might might not be. Uh, the, and I just don't know what the fair or reasonable yep. price I have no idea. Well, and we don't, um, because of these uh, hard to sort of track fluctuations in pricing. Yeah, we are left with no sense of what the value of food is. That's the issue, right? That it, and that's, I believe that that's part of the reason why our global food system is in the state that it is. Right, our sense of value about this is is just really distanced. You know and what I mean? We're not connected at all to what it takes to trudge through a dairy farm and milk cows and deal with all of those processes, right? And add to that, you know, the fast food, you know, quote unquote meals that yep. you can get. I mean, I don't know how much a fast food combo meal costs these days. It's about That's 10 been, bucks. Right. Um, that also completely distorts yes. things, right? Yes, because again, you've heard me harp on about externalities and and that fact that we don't pay the full costs for this seemingly cheap food. Yeah. Uh, and this is more of the same of that And how of much that food argument. is in that food. Yeah, well, know. precisely. Um, so I just found this super 
encouraging. Mm-hmm. The thing that I also love a lot about this is this notion that word spread from word of mouth so effectively. Yeah. Right. When I, and and I see this a lot in the work that I do, uh, particularly around farmers markets and things like that. When there's a, an anchor of values mm-hmm. that is motivating the purchasing, the the spread of the information is very quick and easy. Even from somebody who is just getting you the good farm fresh eggs under the table without you know what I right. mean. The word yeah. of mouth on that, quick and easy. No marketing, no advertising required because people understand the value of what it is and they want this unsprayed, unfettered, well-raised thing. For sure. And I can certainly imagine myself walking into a store and seeing a label on a package that explained that to me. I would, I would pounce on that. Um, I mean, that's, as I mentioned earlier, something that's always bothered me is not knowing. Yes. And to also think that how much was it? Eight, eight cents per liter. It's like this tiny little difference in our life mm-hmm. can make such a huge difference well, there on the is, other end. Right? That, I feel like that's one of the smartest things this guy has done is to really put it in perspective based on general average yearly consumption for a family. This, you spend another, it was like what, six or eight euros or something like that yeah. in France uh, to enable a, the dairy farmer to stay above poverty, yeah. right? To keep their head above the water. Of course. I know it's a no brainer. Right? Of course. You know, if you if you have the means. Yes, of I understand. Course. Not everybody has the freedom to say that. But for those of us who do, we should, right? Oh, for sure. And I just love that uh, you know, you see I could see this milk on the shelf and then I'll see another milk on the shelf and I'll know. You know, yes. okay, these people are exploiting people. Oh, these people, this is a little more expensive. Oh, wait, it's organic. That makes sense to me. It just yes. gives me an like an anchor. Yep. I just I would and the good news is he is talking to other markets. Right. Uh, he didn't mention Canada wasn't mentioned in the article, but certainly the UK, the US, um, Germany. I, I, mm-hmm. I wish I'd written them down. I know. I think I remember uh, reading Germany as part of that list. No, I wanted to. The names are hilarious. Like how, oh, how the they, different how they languages the and name, how, who's the, the boss. Right. And yeah. in the UK, it's it's completely just like consumer yeah. choice or something right. completely different. <laughs> um, but here's the really cool thing. So what he's done now is this uh, this organization, Sikile Patron, is a co-op. Yes. It's got tons and tons of members, thousands and thousands. The membership is dirt cheap. It's like $2. And they vote on what the next product will be. So he started with milk. He's sin- since done uh, more than 30 different products. Wow. They go on the website and there's a selection of, you know, here are the other foods we're considering. Okay, right. Which one do you want? Then they talk about, um, they do a vote on, do you think it should be organic or not? You know, what are the, what are you, things that are important yeah, to you those as are the, a consumer? Those are the added complications, right? And yeah. it really talks through all of those details and then how do you think it should be packaged? And then they can also then decide, and this was particularly interesting to me, um, so then should the price uh, be market, uh, break even for the producer, fair, or quote unquote permitting investment. Permitting investment. So they also get to choose. Right. You know how how is this going to be right. priced? For, you know how, what's the producer going to get out of this? So um, I think that's a really smart tactic involving mm-hmm. your consumers in the decision making yeah. and in the. It's a, I mean, the word transparency is thrown around a lot, but I feel like that's really what's well, happening it is. here. It, it, to me, if you, I was thinking the same thing. To me, it also feels like a more authentic way to talk about pricing uh, to what the market will bear. Yeah. Right? It's less about what I can get away with and more what the sort of community consensus about this value is about, right? 
Yeah, and I love that organic is a question. Me too. Because, for that example, would have easily been the, my next the question. butter they produce is yeah. organic, but I'm sure some other products are not. Right. And, you know, depending on, you know, some people are full-on organic, but some, mm-hmm. you know, some of us do believe some things are should definitely be organic and some things, you know, will let There's we'll let some fluidity, slip. right. Um, but I love it. So, yeah. And this then, guy, very smart move. Best part or creepiest part, I don't know. Hmm. Uh, both Nestle and Danone are in talks with him to try to create products using this model. Oh, How God do you sake. feel about that? I said no. Okay. No. That was my first instinct 100% no. Uh, I think the most important thing to connect to here is yeah. that the likes of Nestle does not have a seat at this table. I feel like they are incapable of doing it, yes. but the fact that they're trying to have the conversation makes me think. I know, but it's dangerous, maybe right? Go uh, with a new direction. It's dangerous. There's a lot of greenwashing involved. They are a giant multinational corporation, right? And the writing is on the wall about the fact that the most sustainable future for our food systems is about regionality and okay. smaller scale production, right? This level of global production and distribution is not it's too detached. Working. Uh, and it's really separating people from their, uh, from staying alive. Like <laughs> we can talk about water and we can talk about formula, all these sorts of things. I say for once, Nestle, please take a seat behind the, t- like let, 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 let some other people at the table. You know what? That was one. my gut instinct. Yeah, and I'm, not I'm glad you it. confirmed it. No, thanks. But still a good initiative. Great initiative. So I came across this really lovely it was, article. It was. The topic of children in pubs has come up a lot, I would say, in the past year. Mm-hmm. I've seen a number of different articles about it, you know, defending it and talking about it. Yeah. But this was a very personal article. It was on a new magazine called Pellicle. Yes. Which sounds like a pretty cool magazine, even though it has a name that uh, I, I'm not sure how it's related to mm-hmm. food and drink and travel. Um, But it was this woman really recounting her experience from her beginnings as a child being in pubs. And I love the image of her parents bribing her with With chips. With the crisps, the packets of crisps. (laughs) That was very sweet. They hadn't finished their drinks Mm -hmm. yet. And her notion that that's where really how she learned how to behave in public. Yeah. One of the things she said that I thought was so interesting was that it was where she learned that the world didn't revolve around her. Right. I loved that bit. Yes. Right. And I see that importance because a kid can just start stomping their feet and kicking up a fuss. And now all the grownups are like, okay, 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 whatever. Right. But the notion that kids have to stick it out. And I mean, even if there are kids there, it's clearly a grown up environment. Yes. Um, and it's, yeah, it was interesting to me that she would have perceived that and have, you know, really understood. Yeah, I thought I was really that impressed. That she had to behave differently yep. in that environment. And so, yeah, she and then she goes on talking about her experience having her first child and um, the sense of community that she got in the pub and the whole idea mm-hmm. of, you know, I love my, my child. I love hanging out. I remember. I don't remember how she put it, but she's like, you know, sometimes I just need some grown up conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, like societal support and to go out. And I love her description. I think she said her experience of pubs is just hanging out with her friends, talking about nothing. Yeah, uh, which is really that rung true. For me, it did well, and I've had enough uh, girlfriends uh, uh, become mamas, mm-hmm. and this I I was really compelled by her piece about the fact that disallowing children or you know or sort of looking down upon the notion of kids or babies in a, in a pub uh, really sort of exiles 
a mom. It isolates right? them. The isolation, the, the ex- I was that felt really important to consider. It, it was really well put. Yeah. The entire article. And I love she's talking about going to a, a, a music festival and dancing around her pram the yeah, way other yeah, people dance the, around the earphones on the kids. <laughs> yeah. It was really sweet. Um, I will say, though, mm-hmm. uh, one of the things, uh, because there's always sort of a visual it's mm-hmm. visually jarring when you see a super pregnant woman at a bar or you see uh, someone with a kid strapped to them in a little, yeah. you know, or you see little ones. Uh, it's sort of like, especially like when it, the sun has gone down mm-hmm. right at the bar. Um, and 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 I think that I think that this is a really good argument for why we need to sort of rethink our opinion on this. Yeah. However. OK. There's a very slippery slope here. Mm-hmm. Right. And as somebody who enjoys the ruckusness that can happen in a pub. I yeah. am loud uh, and with booze. No it's, way. Uh, I know. What? Big surprise. <laughs> I'm loud. And when booze is involved, it only cranks up. Right. And I, it has happened already where I have been chastised by a neighboring patron at a bar. Yeah. Uh, for using foul language and for being too loud because there were children there. Mm, yeah, no, that's an right? issue because and I yeah. say no. I was completely unapologetic. So They're that, in my space now, right? And that's what, but what that's what she's saying in this article is it is an adult space, I think and so. I think, um, you know, what you're saying is is very important, and I think the big piece of that is, uh, you know, the parents have to have some judgment. I think as so. to when and where they're bringing the, their kids, you know, like if it's a, a pub and everyone's chill and everything's great. Yes. But, you know, if it's a, a dance club and the music is thumping yes. and everyone's screaming and there's, you know, or it's gay, a game night or, or, you yeah. know, somebody's carrying um, on. Maybe that's maybe not that's not the right environment. Yeah. So I agree with that. And uh, I think the other piece and she does touch on this in the article because, I mean, I think her experience has been very positive. It does sound like And she's like saying, it. Yeah. you know, we need to trust adults right. with children. And I think, you know, the main argument people have when they don't want children in pubs is they don't want unminded children yes. in pubs. Yes. And I had the absolutely horrible experience. I, I mean, my heart was in my throat of uh, being at, it was actually a, a restaurant and uh, one of the wait staff tripped over a toddler. Oh no. Who was crawling on all <sighs> fours across the floor. And, uh, you know, at that, st- I mean, I'm sorry, if you are bringing your child to the pub, you have to <laughs> For keep an eye on especially yes. if they're crawling, you know, and that, that poor waitress was just devastated. You know, she dropped her tray, the child is crying oh. and like... You know, that that sort of thing is obviously very upsetting. I think it has to be done with with judgment. I think so, too. Uh, and attention. But, you know, on the on the flip side, we have a uh, a drinking group that gets together yeah. <laughs> every month. Yeah. It's called Cask. And one of our members had a kid and they're always there and, uh, you know, zipping around, being chased by people. And what I love about that is the witnessing sort of the community parenting yep. that happens. Definitely. 
and, you know, the familiarity with a range of different adults and that trust and then, you know, giving the parents a break and like, oh, we'll take him for a while and yep. maybe sit we'll him down and have a little snack over here around, right. and wedge him between two people and <laughs> <laughs> stop him from running around. So yeah. I think it, it can be done very the well. The community piece feels really nice. I yeah. will definitely say that. It's just we're not, I think that what's what's important to be distinct about is it doesn't mean that we are sort of endorsing the notion that that pubs and bars become kid-friendly spaces no it's just that it's not like we can ease up on the on the judgment about what it means to bring your baby to a bar you know trust parents to be judicious and you know yeah, and when and how they they bring their children to the pub but i just uh, i it was really very loved written. the way she yeah, put it i agree it was compelling did you see that article I sent about uh, Fumi, the company that is yes. making repurposing the yeast yeah. that's runoff from brewing production? I loved it. As an egg substitute. Yes. So just to be clear, when we say egg substitute, it's not, you know, an egg substitute, for example, in an omelet. No. Uh, or something. It doesn't taste like eggs, yep. but it behaves like eggs in a situation where you want you know, emulsification or that kind of, like they talked about making meringues, yeah. which I was pretty and impressed with. I was very impressed and I wanted to taste those meringues. Uh, and really this is an egg white substitute. Right. Yes. Right. It is a very specific bit, um, but very compelling. Yeah. So the company is called Fumi, which is short for functional microorganisms. Oh, God bless And them. yeah, they set out on, with this idea to create something that could be used instead of egg whites in all these recipes that require fluffy egg whites mm-hmm. for like a textural. Uh, what, what else do you use egg whites for? Um, egg whites, baking, lots of pastry. Right? Now, okay, it seems to see. So we're getting into a curious piece mm-hmm. because when I was reading this, I love the idea of repurposing something that would otherwise have gone to waste. Yes. That is a key piece that mm-hmm. I think is very great. Uh, but I also think, and, and it's vegan. Right. Right. So that opens up the the world of meringue, uh, mm-hmm. et cetera, for our vegan friends. Um, but it also felt really important to remember that eggs don't exist without, I mean, whites don't exist without yolks. Right. Right. Uh, like the, there's no way like we, we, we don't isolate the whites and we have. I'm assuming that we, you can buy a carton of egg whites and I'm assuming that those yolks have gone to like custard land or, you know, some other hopefully. thing. Hopefully. hopefully. Right. Uh, uh, and but, in the article, they were saying you can even buy egg whites as a powder. You can Is buy that, egg white powder. Have you used that? Yep. OK. Uh, and it, it does a fine job. Uh, one of the places where it made most sense for me was the bar. Okay. Right? Because so many of these beautiful craft cocktails all <gasps> use egg whites. Right. Right? And I, I imagine I hadn't there's even thought of that. I imagine there's lots of yolk waste at a bar when you just need yeah, where the you gonna white. Put it? What yep. are you gonna do with it? And you're like one here, it's a sort of For like Pisco sours yeah, and whiskey right? sours. It is exactly. So I thought that that would be a perfect fit for the bar. And you don't even have to think about salmonella then? Nothing. Oh. Nothing. Amazing. And you have the pregnancy warning on the raw like that's not a thing, right? So uh, to me, the the best fit for this was obviously in vegan cooking, yeah. vegan baking. Maybe this opens up angel food cake for vegans, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Much like, I mean, much like the aquafaba. Mm-hmm. You familiar with the aquafaba? No. Aquafaba is this lovely word for a similar thing that is done with the water from uh, canned chickpeas or, or soaking chickpeas. Okay. You can fluff it up to meringue itself. 
same no way. way. Huh. And it doesn't even have a beanie flavor. Uh, it's pretty extraordinary stuff. And uh, people have baked it and all that made like pavlovas and the whole bit with the aquafaba. But the repurposing of this yeast, I think, is is wonderful. And we need to like this. Let's ride this train. I'm into this. So here's the interesting thing, because yeah. my reaction was exactly your reaction. Like my top two things were, isn't it amazing that we're reusing something yep. that would otherwise go to waste? And oh my goodness, thank goodness, because all those yolks. Yes. Uh, what's happening to those? And yet these are not the selling points they're using. Oh, so they're using the, the vegan, the vegan. Yeah. Uh, they're saying it's the first vegan non-GMO egg white substitute, which okay. to me wasn't super as exciting as the other two things. Yeah. Uh, the other interesting thing is a 95% reduction in CO2 emissions yeah, man, compared I to the piece. egg whites. That was a very curious thing. And the fact that it's cheap. So yeah. that's how they're selling it. Uh, interestingly, there is a downside, which is a lot less protein in this. Right. So it's 60 to 70% protein instead of but almost are we, 100%. Are we looking to an egg, to a meringue for protein? We're not looking to a meringue for protein. And then the other piece, I mean, I love what you're saying about the cocktails, but where are they going with it? Yeah. No. Right. They're going to supplying biting agents for meat analogs. Uh, our favorite thing. Right? Wah, so that wah. meat analogs can go from vegetarian to vegan. To vegan. For God's so, sake. I thought it was fascinating because this is an Dear article. Fumi people. Yes. You have missed opportunity. Yes. Uh, right? The the values piece, as we've just talked about, right, with the with the milk and our friends uh, in France. Yeah. Uh, a, a solid anchor in values is a legitimate selling feature. Not sure. wasting, reclaiming something that would have been wasted is much more exciting. And more relatable. Yes. I think. We don't need to make more fake food out of this. Agreed. This is a topic that came up while we were on hiatus, but I really wanted to talk to you about it. Yeah. And that is kitchen hacks. Kitchen hacks. Hacks in the quotey quotes. It ha you know, I'm so sick of the word hack. Yes. It's driving me bonkers. I would say 90% of hacks are just common sense. Yep. Or, you know, like commonly no known things. No special thing. It's not that um, special a thing. Yes. And then, the oh, okay, so let's say 80%. And then another 10% are things that don't work. Yep. Uh, and then maybe 10% of them are actually some, hacks. It's a nugget of wisdom. It's <laughs> but true. But I feel like the word hack is so overused. Uh, yes. And it like, it plays on the notion that we have such, particularly around the kitchen. Yeah. We have such low resting knowledge of how to function in a kitchen. So a hack is like, here's just how to do this. Right. It, it, we, yeah. we haven't, we have, there's nothing innovative about this. It just is just here. Yeah. Has a, just, here's how to do this. Or, yeah. or here's a really quick way to do this. Yes. That actually, if you try it, you will fail miserably and then you're just going to order out I anyway. Um, which I feel is, you know, not great for bolstering people's confidence. Not at all. In the kitchen. Not at all. Um, but okay. I have to say though, some like, I, I, I kind of love hearing these crazy stories like the one that you sent over about this woman, the egg exploding on her <gasps> face and the burns in her eyes. And like, that was no jokes. That was crazy. Yeah, right? that was a, an article Woo. about, yeah. Some suggestions sometimes they can be dangerous. You cook an egg in the shell in a microwave for seven minutes. Right, but already. Yeah. The X's are showing up in my mind on this one, right? And here's the issue. I think for those of us who can cook, I mean, I don't even own a microwave. Right. But I would hesitate to put an egg oh, oh, in a in microwave. Shell, when you know the microwave cooks from the inside out. But, you know, I'm sure this 
person who did this was also hesitant, but, you know, went online, found something that said, hey, just put salt in the water and you'll be fine. Yeah, it's no, no. Don't do it, everybody. Not fine. Not fine at all. She in has the hospital. major and questions about her ability to see were really up, legitimately up for uh, debate. Yeah, that's frightening. It's super frightening. Uh, now, though, I will say it reminded me mm-hmm. of of a hack that was rolling around last year sometime about Tell the me. garlic. Oh, I don't. Do you know remember this one, this one about no. the garlic? Um, I got pulled into this conversation. So apparently, somebody mm-hmm. uh, with a blog came up with this idea that because and apparently they were they just were not satisfied by existing ways to peel garlic just the put it down and slap it wasn't good or or they or there's the break the the clove up and put it two bowls open sides facing and shake or put a lid on a pot and just shake it like quite violently shake it up and down it works if you want to skin a whole head of garlic in one go for your one two cloves the smash and peel is just fine but this person, she was suggesting that you'd hold the head of garlic uh-huh. and take this like pokey tool that can be best described as an awl okay. in a wood yep. shop, mm-hmm. A-W-L, yep. awl, right? And that you would poke into like the fattest part of the clove mm-hmm. and just a simple twist of the Flip wrist, wrist. <laughs> and this clove would pop right out. Of course. And everyone was like, and the clove would pop out clove out of skin. Oh, right. Like you would extract just the clove and leave this sort of paper shell remaining. So basically she baked the clove before of garlic before doing the video. Well, is my I guess. mean, for That's real, my guess. there's so many questions. So everyone that was, might like, work if it was, already everyone baked. was like revolutionized. Oh, this is it. This is the stuff. This is the stuff. This woman, uh, Helen Rosner, who's yeah. a food writer at The New Yorker. She even wrote a piece about the like, oh, this is this is a new, interesting thing. And she tried it triumphantly herself. So she oh, wrote no. this article and then hilariously there was this like sort of appendix on her piece saying five days after this, I tried this and ended up in the ER with <gasps> five stitches on my middle finger because the thing slipped. Of course. And, and she impaled herself. It sounds like shucking also oysters. Exactly. It just and dangerous. you wear a chain link metal glove to do that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so she was like, how about we just go back to the smash and chop or the pot lid, you know, the pot with a lid on and shake it up. Also, what, like, Five why stitches. do you need this extra tool in the but, kitchen well, now? Well, this is the, right? You got to go know, to the wood. No. Is, is that really a hack? I, I don't In my mind, think. a hack is use what's available. You know, yes, great, repurpose the thing. You know what's a great hack? Uh, you can't open a jar, put an elastic band around Yes. It, right? Gives you good grip. Because you got those. That's a hack. There's an elastic band in yep. the house. Easy. Yep. Done. Uh, no for stitches. For some people, it's common knowledge. For some people, it's not. But it yeah. works. Yep. And it's easy. Yep. Um, I would say, like, the hacks that I have learned that actually are useful, I have learned from people. Me too. Not from videos. Me, and, and in the kitchen. Yeah. You know, as you're just looking over at somebody and being like, oh, oh. Or in this podcast, like in episode two, when you taught me how to eat a mango. Oh, right. I did not know how to how to do oh. that, and it, that's changed my life. I love that. Right, but that that was useful. Yeah. But I trust you that you know from things. Yes. <laughs> right? yes. I'm a reliable source on some things. Yes. Okay, so I want to play a little game with you. Okay. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you noticed, but in that article about the exploding uh, the egg, egg, yeah, there was a link to oh, a video. Oh no, I didn't see it. I didn't see that. And the video is this woman. It's actually a super depressing video. All right. Because her main argument was showing how 
people who are actually showing people how to cook on YouTube, their video views are going way down. And all these more like quick hack videos, the oh views Lord. are going up. Oh, come on. So everybody just cook some food. Take the time and cook some food. But this video is her oh. watching some hacks. Okay. I love um, it. And I just want to talk you through yeah, some of these. Yeah, I, I can't wait. Let's I, hear it. Here's the thing. Yeah. If you know how to cook, you can see right through these hacks. Yes. I believe. Um, so the first one was an easy ice cream frosting. Okay. Oh, ice cream. Okay. So this is how you make the easy ice cream frosting. You take uh, ice cream, you put it in a bowl, and then you put it in a, oh, a bain-marie. What are those called in English? Uh, a water bath. A water bath. Yeah. Where there's the pot underneath yep, with, with the, the water. Yeah, with the simmering, right? Yeah. So you do that. Gentle you, heat. You, you melt it. Okay. Okay. Then you add a, a generous amount of sugar. Okay. Stir it. Put that in the fridge for three hours. Okay. <laughs> Pull it out. Get your uh, electric whisk, your, you know, like yeah, your egg yeah, beater, yeah, yeah. And, and whip it up to a wonderful cream cheese like consistency. Oh my God. Right? Uh, no. So, so, oh my God. So, what's the issue That's with ridiculous. that? Just make some damn frosting. What a long road to take. But, uh, right? To melt, uh, and then you have this like weird melted, like weird liquid, milky, sugary thing. Yeah. And then you whip it back up again? Just make some frosting. But also, it doesn't Three whip hours? up. It's melted ice cream. Yeah, you cannot whip up. whip up melted ice cream. You can't whip up melted ice cream. So dumb. Uh, no, don't. And, and I, I 100% will bet mm-hmm. that the final product does not taste any different to any sort of like cream cheese, butter, powdered sugar, vanilla situation that you're going to make. Absolutely not. But it also just didn't work. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, thanks. Ice cream frosting. Who wants ice cream? Just use I ice cream. I don't know. Yes, And then true. freeze it. Yeah, yeah. Right? If you want ice cream frosting, just use ice cream. So here, this one, actually, I laughed out loud. Okay. <laughs> so this one is, um, she took fresh basil. Right. Chopped it. Okay. Put it in the microwave for a few minutes. Oh, no. And it came out dried basil. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> like dried basil, like the kind you would buy at the store. That's ridiculous. <laughs> Again, I don't know from microwaves, but I know from science. Come was... on. No. 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 Like why? It's so why? bad. Oh my god, that's hilarious. And uh, cut it up? Yeah. Like why would you cut it up if it was dry? Then you could just crumb. Oh, no. It was No. Anyway, no. I Listen, the people of the planet is on fire. That's just the we tip of the iceberg. We cannot be spending our time doing things like this. Not to mention, you know, and she she mentions this in the, the article. Uh, the quote was actually actually really good. It was, um, so she said, kitchen hacks undermine home cooking and the very notion of craft. The more right. you cook, the better you get at it. No hack is going to make you a brilliant cook if you aren't already. Not at all. Even worse, unsuccessful cook cooking hacks can act as a disincentive. Say you're an inexperienced cook. You try a hack that's supposedly destined to blow your mind and it doesn't work. Are you going to blame yourself or the video? Right. And the issue here is you and I cook. Yes. So we can yes. watch these things and giggle. Exactly. Because we know, like, you know, one of the kitchen, one of the hacks that people revisit a lot when yeah. I teach mm-hmm. is this two lids of a yogurt thing with the cherry tomatoes. 
and this, you Tell know, uh, so it's an it's an easy way to slice like oh, I'm seeing I'm, a I'm dozen cherry tomatoes yeah. at a time. So you sandwich them between two yep. lids of a yogurt container. Then you press and just take your serrated knife and, and cut go through all, all the, the tomatoes through, at once, so all at once. Yeah, but the amount of time that it takes to wrangle. All those tomatoes in so that they're because there's a tall way to have a cherry tomato yeah. and, a, and a skinnier way. Uh, and you won't get your proper sandwich with the lid if you don't have them all turned. And let me be honest, if you're already going to take the time to turn a dozen cherry tomatoes, then just, just slice, slice them. them. Yeah, just slice them. Right. It's there is a there can be a meditative joy in things like that. Just slice your tomatoes open, people. Also, yogurt lids haven't been around for years, but lids have. Yeah. If this was a thing, cooks would have been doing it for Way years. More precisely. You know? And, it uh, is a craft. And don't be afraid to spend some time in the kitchen. I know. Right? Marvel. I like When I'm slicing cherry tomatoes in half, I actually marvel at the glory of what you uncover every time. It's like a whole universe inside a tomato. Take a look. Spend some yeah. time. Also, you can't pick one up and, and eat it while you're going exactly. if they're all stuck in between exactly. two Forget it. pieces of yogurt lid. Just slice I don't the like tomatoes. That at all. Just slice the tomatoes. Gotta pop one in your mouth. Precisely. If you're enjoying our podcast, please leave a rating or review. It helps others find us. Hot Plate is part of the Frequency Podcast Network. Original music by Dave Bell. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Hot Plate Pod. Follow me at Beerology on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And follow Joshna at Joshna Maharaj on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Hot Plate is produced by Mirella Amato, that's me, and Dennis Coyne. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.